listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, Hopefully and prayerfully, going to be able to get all through all 15 of these today. As you saw in the title, I'm going to give you 15 reasons God will bless you financially. Uh, As I said on Instagram, I always laugh. I always laugh when I hear people speaking against the message of financial increase, financial abundance. I laugh when people mock uh, God's desire to bless his children financially, as though he's not interested in that. You can go from the beginning of the Bible to the end and you'll see clearly God is very interested in that. He's very interested in that. So much so. And good morning to everybody. Morning, Eric. Can't wait to see you in a really just about a month. Um, God is so interested in blessing his children financially that even those who don't believe in quote unquote prosperity, those that have to study the Bible and contextually explain it, have to agree. Men, I've, I've shown you this before. Men that would be totally against what we might say is the prosperity message, like R.C. Sproul, who was a Reformed Presbyterian, would still had to admit God is interested in the financial well-being of his children. He did that in writing, in print, in one of his books called, Now That's a Good Question. Um, And so I want you to understand this today. Even people who would be fully against the prosperity message have to agree that God is interested in blessing his children financially. He's interested in the economic well-being of his children. There's my father. Love you, Dad. Good morning. And, um, and so I want you to share this this morning. I want this to help you. I'm going to give you 15 reasons from Scripture why God wants to bless you and will bless you financially. And any, any, listen, if you've heard somebody say, well, that's a message, that's all greed, you know, or that's, that's just covetousness or whatever that they may have said against the message that God wants to bless you financially. By the end of today's broadcast, you should know beyond any shadow of any doubt that God not only wants to bless you financially, he will bless you financially for these 15 reasons that I'm getting ready to give you with scripture verses included right now. And I can tell you um, for sure that this is going to be a book that I'll produce. Um, For sure it will be, no question about it. So you'll be able to go more in depth when I release the book on this as well. But I want to break these down for you, these 15 reasons why God will bless you financially. He is interested in that. In fact, while we're starting here at the beginning, I want you to put it in the comments. God wants to bless me financially. Just put it right at the beginning, right at the very top of this broadcast today. Bye, Megan. God wants to bless me financially. No question about it. It's throughout the entire Bible from Genesis all the way to the end. God wants 
to bless me financially. There's no question about it. It has nothing to do with greed, this message. Has nothing to do with covetousness. Has nothing to do with any of those negative aspects that we're to stay free from as Christians. We're not to be greedy. We're not to love money. We're not to be covetous uh, of our neighbor's property, his possessions, uh, none of those things. However, you don't have to be greedy and you don't have to be covetous and you don't have to have a love of money in order to be blessed financially. You don't have to. And uh, I understand that there are people that don't understand this at all. That's why I'm doing the, the broadcast because I want you to clearly see it from scripture clearly see it. There's no question. This is not even a gray area. This is not even a gray area in the scripture. God is interested in blessing you financially. In fact, I would go as far as to say that God wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. I would say that with all sincerity, God wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. There's no question about that because he is perfect and his will is so perfect. The only reason we can't fully receive it all the time is because number one, lack of faith, maybe lack of understanding. People are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And so though God wants to bless us abundantly because people have received wrong teaching for so long, they've been tricked into believing that God doesn't have any interest in what happens with your finances or whatever. And it's a total lie. And I'll tell you why it's a lie. The devil would love to keep the people of God poor. He would love to keep the people of God poor. But God has a plan to bless you financially so that not only are you not poor, not only are you having all of your needs met, but on top of the on top of that, you have more than enough than what you need, far more than enough. So what, what is increase? What is prosperity? Prosperity is having far more than enough to accomplish the purpose God's given you. If you've never heard that before, let me say it again. If you need a definition, if you need to write it down, prosperity is having far more than enough to accomplish what God has called you to do. That's what prosperity is. There's some people that look at a million dollars like it's a huge amount of money. There's some people that look at $5 million like it's a huge amount of money. There's other people, $5 million couldn't get them through one month of what God's called them to do. Not one month. So understand these things are all relative. These things are all relative to where you are in life and where you are in your purpose. To some people, a million dollars is the biggest thing in the world. To other people, $5 million could not get them through one month of their expenses. So it's all relative to where you are in your purpose and in your life with Christ. Prosperity is having more than enough to accomplish what God has called you to do. That's right. Because that definition takes care of the relativity of any amount of money. People think that, oh, if I could just become a millionaire, I'm prosperous. There's other people, a million dollars doesn't do anything for them. Puts them in the hole, puts them in debt, puts them in lack. 
because they have far greater uh, things going on than $1 million can, can cover or handle. So understand it's relative. And so the, the best definition you could receive is this. Prosperity is having far more than enough to accomplish what God has called you to do. And in this broadcast today, I'm giving you 15 different Bible reasons why God will bless you financially. Are you ready? And, and if, I'm telling you, if we can get through these in this one broadcast, I will be cheering. I should get some kind of an award. I, Tiff, a reward of some sort. If I can get maybe like a ice cream sandwich, something, if I can get through all 15, can't do that. I'm on keto. Something else. All right. All 15. Are you ready for this? I want you to take notes. Please put it in the comments. Please put the Bible references in the comments. Study it for yourself and see what God's able to do. All right. Number one, the number one reason why God will bless you financially is number one, put it in the comments. He loves you. And that does need to be baseline for us to understand the primary reason that God blesses his children is because he loves his children. That's Matthew chapter seven. We're going to read verses seven through 11. Matthew chapter seven, verses seven through 11. The number one reason God blesses his children is because God loves his children. God loves his children. I don't bless my kids primarily so they can go be a blessing. That's not the reason I bless them. You know, when, when Christmas comes around, I'm not buying them presents and putting them under the tree so that they can unwrap them, get happy. Now you get out there in the neighborhood and find kids that don't have those kinds of presents and you share them and play with it. No, that's not why I bless my children primarily. I primarily bless my children because I love them. And that, that's the same, same with God. That's where I'm taking you in Matthew 7. Same thing with the Lord. He blesses you primarily because he loves you. He cares for you. Jesus explains this uh, in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 11. Listen, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Notice when Jesus is making the analogy here, he doesn't use spiritual things as the explanation, you know, uh, give your children peace and joy. No, he uses food. He, right. He, he uses bread and fish, natural things talking about natural provisions. He's using the example of natural provisions. Same thing he does one chapter before in Matthew chapter six. You know, when we read Matthew 6 and it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, the all these things that he's talking about are natural things. Because if you read the whole context, he's saying people think about what will we eat? Where will we sleep? What will we wear? Natural things, clothing, housing, food. He said, that's the thing that 
sinners worry about, those that don't know God worry about, but you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be what added. He's talking about natural things. Same, same as Matthew seven. He's saying you serve a God who is a loving heavenly father and he wants to bless you because he loves you. I don't think anybody should ever get that twisted. The number one reason, and and there are many reasons God wants to bless you. I'm going to give you 15 today, but the primary reason is because he loves you. Just think about yourself with your children or yourself with your grandchildren. You know why you just like to see them smile. Why do you go buy that meaningless thing at Walmart that'll be forgotten in three weeks? Why do you buy? You love to see them get excited. You love to see them smile. You love to bless them. Why? Because you love them. Because you love them. Not for any other reason. You don't have some hidden agenda as to, as to why you bless your children or grandchildren. You do it because you love them. That's the reason God blesses you. Because he loves you with everything he is. He loves you. So that's number one. The first reason God will bless you financially and take you into that place of abundance is because he loves you. He loves you. Number two. Number two, to establish his covenant. I want you to put that in the comments. The second reason God will bless you financially, to establish his covenant. To establish his covenant. God made a covenant with the Old Testament people and the New Testament people. Remember this, it's not just for the Old Testament people. It is for Old and New Testament people. If you go back, you can read Deuteronomy chapter eight and verse 18. You may be very familiar with this verse of scripture already. Deuteronomy chapter eight and verse 18. You know what the Bible says. You shall, of course, remember he's speaking to Israel. You shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Why? That he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Deuteronomy 8.18. Look at the warning in verse 17. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hands have gotten me this wealth. He says, no, 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 no. You'll remember the Lord your God. He's the one that empowers you to obtain, to acquire, to create wealth. Why? So that he may establish his covenant and confirm it that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. God gave a covenant of blessing and wealth and prosperity to his people far before this. And of course, he uh, codifies it here uh, in his instructions to Israel in Deuteronomy 28, right? Go back to uh, the 28th chapter. We're in eight right now. Go to 28. You remember what he says? If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord, your God will set you on high above the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. He's establishing a covenant with his people. He's establishing a covenant with his holy people to bless them. What? Financially. It's hard to read through Deuteronomy 28 and think that God was not interested in blessing Israel financially, economically. In fact, when you read Deuteronomy 28 verses 15 
all the way down to verse number 68, where it talks about the curses of the law. Did you know that 63% of the curses have to do with their economic well-being, their finances? 63% of the curses have to do with finances and their economic well-being. So the blessings as well, the blessings are dealing with their finances along with other things and their economic well-being. You can't read Deuteronomy 28 or the Old Testament and come to the conclusion God's not interested in taking care of and blessing his people financially. It's impossible. No logical thinking person could do that. You bring it over into the New Testament and what do you find out? Well, let's look at a very interesting passage of scripture, a type and a shadow of what God did uh, for his people. You say, what, what is a type and a shadow? If you've never heard that um, term before, this is where God shows us a picture of something in the Old Testament that will be fulfilled in its fullness in the New Testament, right? A Passover lamb in the Old Testament. But it's fulfilled with the eternal Passover lamb, Jesus, in the New Testament, right? So all of those lambs that were slaughtered in the Old Testament were just a type and a shadow of what Jesus would do when he comes, right, or when he came. Psalm 105 is an interesting passage uh, for this type and shadow. I'll read you um, verse 37. When God brought, who is, who is blowing up my comment section with long comments? Bill Murray. Just listen, Bill. Uh, Psalm 105, and by the way, scroll back up. It's, it, we are blessed to have Bill Murray on the broadcast. I've loved his movies for years. He did a great job in Groundhog Day, as well as he's, he, did, he did really good in um, What About Bob? I enjoyed that one. So everybody welcome Bill Murray on Facebook. Excellent and talented and funny actor and comedian. Psalm 105, three things that God did when he brought Israel out of bondage. <laughs> he brought Israel out of bondage. If you don't know, Pharaoh was a type of Satan. Israel and the slavery in Israel was a type of sin. And though he brought them out of slavery and Egypt under the rule of Pharaoh as a type in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, he brought us out from Satan's power and out from the bondage of sin. So it's a type and a shadow. But notice what the Bible says in the 37th verse. He brought out Israel with what? Silver and gold with silver and gold. And there was none among his tribes who stumbled. Or as the King James says, there was not a feeble one, not a weak one among them. So think about the three things that we see as types and shadows of redemption right from this passage of them coming out of Egypt. They're free from slavery, which is sin, under the power of Pharaoh, which is the devil. Number two, there's not a feeble one among them 
which means that healing is a part of your covenant, which we also know. And then look at this, loaded them down with gold and silver. Lo loaded them down with gold and silver. So three parts uh, to the redemption process. Out of slavery, full healing, strength in their bodies, and loaded down with gold and silver. That's financial prosperity. God blessed them in three areas. Freedom from slavery, not a feeble one among them. And number three, gold and silver they took out of Egypt. The same thing we see happen here in the New Testament. Uh, the Bible says, first of all, in Galatians chapter three and verse 29, if you are Abraham's seed, then what? You belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. So get that. If you belong to Christ, Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed or his offspring, and you are heirs to the promise of God. The blessing of Abraham has come upon the Gentiles. You know, when you're reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, you know, Paul's taking an offering. It's what he's doing. If you didn't know the context, he's actually taking up an offering for the believers in, in uh, Jerusalem. And he's encouraging them to give generously, finances. And notice this. He says in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. You do have to ask yourself the question, when did Jesus become poor? Well, you could say that when he left heaven and came to earth, he gave up heavenly riches and became poor in comparison. But you can't read the life of Jesus throughout his ministry on the earth and uh, somehow prove that he was poor. He wasn't poor. In fact, the Bible says the opposite. He had more than enough. He had wealthy people who traveled with him and constantly gave into his ministry. That's Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. He constantly had... Uh, people giving into his ministry, so much so that Judas was able to reach his hand into the treasury and pull out money for himself often, and they still had enough and more than enough to do what they were called to do. He took 12 men with him, full-grown men, all around, fed them, kept them everywhere they went, and Judas was able to steal, and they still had more than enough. You can't do that to a poor person. Luke 8, 1 through 3 says, there were wealthy women who traveled with Jesus and the disciples who constantly gave out of their abundance to Jesus' ministry. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was not some pauper. And I could do a whole message on that and have, and you could go back and find that um, broadcast. I've already done that, uh, proving Jesus was not poor. So number two, he will bless you financially to establish his covenant. It's part of your redemption covenant. It's part of your redemption covenant. Um, number three, the third reason that God will bless you financially as, as his child is to give you influence. Put that in your notes to give you influence. There's no way to argue that having financial increase does not give you more influence. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. you definitely have more influence. <laughs> I mean, think about it. 
Who has more influence? People that can't pay their bills or a wealthy person? A wealthy person does. Just the facts of life. The more you have, the more influence you have. There's no question about that. You know why? Think about this. Do you ever wonder? They bring like movie stars and athletes onto talk shows and then have them give their opinion about politics or have them give their opinion on all these different areas that they're not specialists in. Who cares? Why do I care about, um, why do I care about their opinion on politics or, or any, anything? Why do I care? The only reason people listen is because those people have influence because they're wealthy and because they're famous. People want to know. Why do you think that they use uh, influencers like that to sell products? They have influence. Well, if LeBron James likes it. The more wealthy you become, the more influence you have. Exactly. Jess Burton says, Bill Gates, MD. Exactly. People listen to Bill Gates who built Microsoft and built Windows and became a billionaire through what he did with that corporation. But now all of a sudden, everybody's taking his word and advice on medical uh, decisions we should make for nations. There's a reason. Because the wealthier you become, the more influence you have. There's no question about that. And God wants his people to have influence. God wants his people to have influence. You can do a lot. The more you have, the more you can do. The more you can influence your generation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's pretty interesting to me. It's like, for example, um, the Green family that, uh, you know, own Hobby Lobby. They have so much influence, they were able to build the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., Say, well, that can't be done. You know, it's very expensive in D.C. They didn't have to go to somewhere out in, you know, Wyoming and buy some worthless piece of property and have people travel way out in the middle of nowhere to go see about the Bible. No, because they were wealthy, they had influence even in a major city, the capital of our nation, and bought a one one square block, $2 billion just to buy the property, $2 billion with a B. And then erected that Bible museum and then built that. And there's, I mean, it's a wonderful place. If you haven't uh, visited it, you should in Washington, D.C., the Bible museum. But the Green family, why were they able to do that? Influence. You think there's not also a bunch of red tape in the middle of downtown Washington, D.C. to get that kind of property, to push that through, to get all, all that needs to be done to do that, to get all the resources in? Of course, there's a ton. Of course, but you know what? They had influence. Why? They had resources. And God wants his people to have influence. God wants his people. I took my family to go see the Ark Experience that was built by Ken Ham. And God, he, he gave the testimony, and he, he's not for the prosperity message. It's funny how these guys, they're not for it, but they, they'll experience and have it. He said people started coming from everywhere to sow into the project, even sow their time. Their, and, in, and this massive place where they built a full-size replica of Noah's Ark, plus they're building other things. One of the nicest auditoriums that I've ever walked in, the nicest LED wall I've ever seen. It, I mean, it's the same quality as the ones I've seen at, at, at Universal Studios. I mean, how can you do all that? And the mayor shows up and everybody in town shows up to support you when you go to open. Influence, influence. The more resources you have, 
the more influence you have. And God wants his people to have influence. Look, look how even Jesus encourages. This might blow your mind, by the way. Even Jesus encourages his disciples to use their money to create influence. Luke chapter 16 and verse 9. Luke chapter 16 and verse 9. What did Jesus say? He said this, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Or that Greek word mammon. Make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Listen to this. I'll read it to you from the New Living Translation as well, just to give you another aspect of this in a more uh, thought-for-thought way. Verse 9 says, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by me. Uh, That's the ESV. Sorry, let me go to NLT. Rigid ESV twice in a row. NLT says this. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. So notice that. You, here's the lesson. Use your worldly wealth, resources, money, whatever, to make friends and benefit others. That's influence. Jesus is telling them to use the finances they have to influence, to influence others. And of course, we know we'll get into that in in a bit, influencing others and being a blessing is a part of being blessed. But notice that it gives you influence. The more you have, the more influence you have. And I think anybody would know that it's not like a secret, but God wants, you think, do you think God wants his church to have no influence or great influence? And the answer is great influence. God wants his church to have great influence. I remember they told a story. I heard Jensen Franklin tell a story where a a local bank was giving him a hard time about building a new building. And um, he said, that's fine. You want to give us a problem? He went back to his pulpit on Sunday to his large church and said, everybody that has your money in that bank, take it out tomorrow on Monday. They went in, did mass withdrawals, and the bank president called Pastor Franklin and said, "Uh, I apologize for any misunderstanding. You can have anything you want. Yeah, too late now. Because you didn't realize we had influence as the kingdom of God. We have influence. The more you have, the more influence that you have. Number four, why does God want to bless you financially? Number four, to display his character and his nature. To display his character and his nature. That's why. God wants to display his character and his nature. You say, what, what is his character? What is his nature? Remember two of his redemptive names. He is not just Jehovah. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Jireh. God who is the provider. Who else is he? El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Who is that? That is the all-sufficient one, the mighty God. Hallelujah. Think about that. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the mighty God. In fact, God revealed himself to, to Abraham as El Shaddai in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. If you're taking notes, this is where God revealed himself as El Shaddai. Genesis 17, 1. Listen to it. When Abram was 99 years old, 
the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. The Hebrew here, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. You see that? That's verse 2. And may multiply you greatly. I'm the all-sufficient one. Walk blameless before me and let me multiply you greatly. Hallelujah. Let me multiply you greatly. Well, let me just tell you something. In, In case somebody would read that and say, well, God was only speaking about the fact God would give Abraham many descendants. He'd be the father of many nations. That, that, that's what that meant. Okay, that is part of what that meant. But if you go over a few chapters to Genesis 24, listen to what Abraham's servant said about Abraham. Genesis 24, 35. Listen to this. And I'll start with verse 34. Genesis 24, 34, and 35. So the servant said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants, female servants, camels and donkeys. So look, by his servant's own admission, God had blessed Abraham so much And of course, you know that the Bible tells us that he's greatly blessed him and he's become great and he's given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and male servants, female servants, camels, donkeys. God just kept blessing Abraham. He was carrying out his covenant. You see that. And so he's displaying his character. What's his character? I am. What am I? The all sufficient one. I'm Jehovah Jireh. Don't you know? Abraham was the same man. God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh. To whom he revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh. The story is when he goes to sacrifice Isaac, his only or unique son, his son of the covenant. And on top of that mountain, the angel stops Abraham's hand and says, you know, basically God was just seeing this, looking to see if you'd obey him. Then he looks and he sees a ram caught in the thicket, a perfect ram that was worthy to be sacrificed to God. It's not a coincidence, had to be spotless, had to be perfect. Here it is, God, and and he says it, look at this, God has provided for himself a sacrifice. So what does he then say? I'm gonna call this place Jehovah Jireh because God has provided for himself. Our God is a provider. Our God is the all-sufficient one. And in the same way that he wants to manifest his presence to show his character in many other ways, as protector, as the one who gives peace, as the one who is your righteousness, as the one who is your shepherd, he also wants to manifest his nature and character as the one who provides and the one who is all-sufficient for your life. And so that's number four. He wants to bless you financially to display his character the same way he did for Abraham, the same way he did for Israel, the same way he did for his New Testament people. God wants to show himself as Jehovah Jireh and El Shaddai in your life as well. Number five, the fifth reason that God wants to bless you financially is to spread the gospel. 
Number five, to spread the gospel. God's number one interest, the souls of men. To see, he's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. Number five, the fifth reason God wants to bless you and will bless you financially is to spread the gospel message about Jesus Christ. Let me take you over to Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4, very interesting passage here, but you'll see that God blessed the people who were interested in pushing the gospel message forward. Amen, Willie. I'm with you. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes a letter to this church and says something very interesting to them at the end of the letter when he's closing up his letter. I'll start with verse 15 and we'll go to verse 19. Philippians 4, 15 through 19. Listen to this very carefully. Paul wrote, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, that means at the beginning of his ministry, Paul's ministry, in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now look at verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we quote that verse, we quote it, we quote it wrong. My God will supply all my needs. That's not what it says. It's Paul talking to a church who has given and given and given and said, now, now that you've done that, my God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. People in Philippi, their desire was to spread the gospel message through the ministry of Paul's, uh, through a Paul's uh, ministry. And this is what they're doing. They sent finances once and again and again until he was well supplied. God said, I'm going to bless you for that. Remember, these aren't just Paul's words. These are the words of the Holy Spirit. He inspired Paul to write what he wrote. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. I'm going to bless you for what purpose? For what reason? Because you're the ones that entered into giving and receiving with me to push the gospel message throughout the world at the beginning of my ministry. That's one of the reasons God's going to bless you financially. I tell that to the partners of this ministry. God's going to bless you financially for sending the gospel message out as you sow seed and as you give, as you partner. That's what Paul said, and that's what the Holy Spirit was confirming through this letter to the Philippians. That's number five. God blesses you to spread the gospel around the world. Number six, God wants to bless you, to, Julie Sullivan said it earlier, to transfer the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the just. Go with me to Proverbs 13. God wants to transfer the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the just. No question. All these things that are available, they're not for the wicked. The earth is the Lord's 
and the fullness thereof. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. The silver is his. The gold is his. It's all God's. The earth is the Lord's. And God wants to transfer the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the just. There's no question about that. Proverbs chapter 13, um, verse 22. The Bible says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. The sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Put it in the comments. That's me. That's me. Praise God. The sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Oh, yes. God wants to put the wealth of the wicked in your hand. Without question. Without question. I was laughing because there's people that think, you know, oh, that you wouldn't even accept it if the wicked did that, if wicked people tried to give you money. Oh, I'd accept it because it's part of my inheritance, the wealth of the wicked. I was in a service one time and felt to say this. I said, I'll tell you, people think I wouldn't even take money in an offering from a drug dealer. I said, I would blow the cocaine off the top of it, put it in my pocket and preach the gospel with it. And people were laughing as I said that. But then uh, the pastor approached me afterwards. He was like, there was a dude in the crowd tonight that I know he was a drug dealer that he, when it was time for the offering, he took his, an envelope in his hand and put money and sewed into your ministry. I said, yeah, God was probably talking directly to him. You think just because somebody's wicked. No, he's transferring the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the righteous. One of the reasons that God wants to bless you is to take finances out of their hands and put them into your hands. Amen. To take finances out of their hands and put them into your hands. The inheritance is not for the wicked. The inheritance is for the just. It's for the just. Number seven, put it in your notes. Same verse. But the seventh reason God wants to bless you is to give you the ability to leave an inheritance. Number seven, to give you the ability to leave an inheritance. Not just to your children. But according to Proverbs 13, 22, to your children's children, God wants to bless you so abundantly that you've got the ability to leave an inheritance even to your grandchildren. That's what the Lord will do for you. That's what the Lord will do for you to bless you to such a degree to give an inheritance to your children and your children's children. Look at that again. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Let me just say this as a believer, it is not right to come to the end of your life and have nothing to give your children. It's not right. It's not right to come to the end of your life and have nothing for your family. That is not right. That is not the kingdom way. That's not the gospel way. You say, yeah, but what about the poor? There's poor in the world. There are poor people in the world. But when you understand the principles of God's kingdom, you shouldn't stay poor for the rest of your life. You should not stay poor. One of the things that blew my mind is when uh, T.L. Osborne uh, was preaching overseas, even in third world nations. Come, he said people would come. He said they would come and they'd be naked. They'd be naked. 
And he'd say, you know, they'd get saved. You know, they had no shame walking around naked. He said, you know, they're scraping to get by, living like that. No shame in their life. He said they'd get saved. Nobody would even tell them to do this. And they'd come back fully clothed the next day. Nobody told them to put clothes on. Nobody told them to live looking differently or anything. But when they got saved, something changed on the inside of them. And they went from not caring and scrounging around like animals and walking around naked and just living however to having, and and Osborne said this, the most surprising thing is that the first thing that the Lord did for them through redemption is restored their dignity. God restored their dignity. That's what the Lord will do for people. It's God does not, you know, when you get saved, you might be in a mess when you get saved. You shouldn't continue to be a mess throughout the rest of your life in Christ. God turns every aspect of your life around, turns every aspect of your life around. Yeah, you might've started in a mess. A lot of people have, but you don't stay in a mess. The power of redemption helps you to have turnaround in every area of your life in Jesus name, every area. So you have the ability to leave an inheritance to your children's children. Hallelujah. Number eight, the eighth reason God will bless you financially, the eighth reason that God will increase you financially is why? To reward your holiness and righteousness. To reward your holiness and your righteousness. Did you know that there's a financial blessing to holy living, to righteous living? There's a financial blessing that comes through holy, righteous living. Did you know that? I'm going to give you two passages uh, and there's tons I could give you, but go to Psalm one first. I'm going to give you two. I'll probably give you more, but there's tons of this. Number one, look, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law. He meditates day and night. Look, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. That's Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. In all that he does, he what? Prospers. For what reason? For living holy. For delighting himself in the law of the Lord. That's what Deuteronomy 28 is all about. If you'll obey all the commands I give you today, I'll set you on high above all the nations of the earth. A life of holiness, a life of righteousness, it's a magnet for the blessings of God financially. The Bible says so. You don't have to make that up. The Bible says it. Psalm 112. Go with me to Psalm 112. Listen to Psalm 112, starting in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Look at verse 3. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Wealth and riches are in whose house? The one who fears the Lord and greatly delights in his commandments. 
Go to the back of that uh, psalm, to the last verse, the 10th verse. The wicked man sees it and is angry. What, what, what is it? What does he see? We'll go back to verse 9. He's distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. Okay, the wicked man will see it and get angry. He'll gnash his teeth and melt away. And the desire of the wicked will perish. That shows you that it can't be some kind of internal prosperity. Well, God's made me on the inside very blessed. I have more peace than I've ever had. No, the wicked can't see that. They can't see internal blessing. Man looks on the outward. Only God sees the heart. So God blesses you in such a way that wicked people can see your prosperity and your blessing. They can see it clearly and they'll be angry about it and they'll gnash their teeth and melt away. God blesses you as a response to your holiness and your righteousness. The Bible says, Psalm 84, 11, that God will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Not any good thing. Psalm 119, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. The good of the land, not the, not the barely get by of the land. I've, I've talked about that many times. Not the scraping of the bottom of the barrel to survive. You're not in survival mode. You'll eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. The good. Oh, yes. The Bible says in Job 36, 11, if they will only obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. It's throughout the Bible. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Added unto you. Glory to God. Why? As a result of God blessing you for your righteous living, your holy living. It's throughout the whole Bible. Your holy righteous living is a magnet for the financial blessing of God. There's no question. No question. Number nine, the ninth reason God wants to bless you financially is so that you can bless the poor. That's the ninth reason so that you can bless the poor, which every Christian should be doing in some way, shape, or form. You don't turn your eyes away from the poor when they're in need. The Bible says you help them. You do what you can to be a help. You know this, our ministry does this at a high level. I called and made sure that what we're doing to be a part of what Dr. Sumrall's organization is doing, I made sure that we're in the top 1% of givers. I don't, I'm not doing it small. I want to do it larger and larger. We've increased since then. I want to do it as much as we can because it's a command from scripture and it carries a blessing with it. God wants to bless you so that you can bless the poor. Look at um, Proverbs 28, 27. Proverbs 28, 27. Listen to this. Gives to the poor will not want. But he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. So what does it mean to hide your eyes? It means you see people in need and you act like you can't see them. You act like you can't see them. Now, I understand that there are people out there that are scam artists. That's why I don't just hand cash out to everybody on the street. That's why I, I don't do that. One time my uncle Tiff was on the street and this guy um, kept trying to bum money off of him 
And my uncle kept saying, listen, let me take you to a, a restaurant over here and get you a hamburger. Let me go get you some food, you know, get you some fries, whatever. And finally, at the end, the guy was so irritated, my uncle wouldn't give him cash. He pulled a big roll of cash out of his pocket, said, I don't need your effing money. So I understand that there are professional panhandlers. I get that. But I'm talking, that's why we do it in a, in a responsible way where we know that the money's actually going to the thing that we're sending it for, to bless the poor, to bless the poor. The Bible says, whoever gives to the poor will not want, will not lack. Did you know the Bible says that anybody that gives to the poor, the Lord will repay them. The Lord will repay you for doing it. He blesses you to bless the poor. No question about that. Number 10. On top of the poor, and beyond just that, number 10, he blesses you to be a blessing to others. Not just the poor, but to others. Galatians chapter 6. We've heard this throughout our life as Christians probably. You've heard it a lot. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. No question. You're blessed to be a blessing. Galatians 6.10. Again, this is Paul speaking to people regarding their giving. And then he says this. Many people didn't know. You know the verse of scripture in verse 9 that says, uh, do not grow weary while doing good. Don't, do not grow weary in well-doing. Did you know that the well-doing that Paul's talking about is their giving? If you read it in context, it's talking about their giving, blessing others. He says, don't, don't grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we do not give up. Now look at verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Hallelujah. Especially to those that are in the household of faith, which means that you should seek to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You should seek to be a blessing. You should live with the desire to be a blessing. Let me tell you, you can't be a blessing to others if you yourself don't have enough for you. And God, how can we even obey this scripture, this command from Paul, if we don't even have enough to meet our own needs, let alone be a blessing to somebody else? God wants us to be blessed so that we can bless other people. Let me go on further, not to just be a blessing to others, but listen to this, number 11, so that you don't have to depend on the world system. That's number 11. So that you don't have to depend on the world system. Thank God, and listen, I know there are people, again, there's people at every level, there's people that are starting out, there's people that are getting help, there's people that are turning it around, but you shouldn't live there forever. I had to encourage somebody uh, recently. I said, listen, you shouldn't be in this position, but uh, take advantage for now because you have a wife, you have a family, you have children. Take advantage of everything that's afforded to you. You know, people get, they feel bad, they get laid off. Well, I feel bad collecting unemployment. You're the one that paid your own money into it. Take your money back. <laughs> I feel bad collecting unemployment as a Christian. You paid that money. It's yours already. I feel bad. You know, I don't need a tax rebate. It's your money. It's your money. You shouldn't have to be on welfare as a Christian. 
Now, if there's a portion of time while you're getting life together and learning these principles and all that, I understand. But God will bless you to the place where you don't have to depend on the world system. God will bless you to that place. Listen to Deuteronomy 28 and verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. You'll lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. So God said, I'll keep you out of depending on the world system. I'll keep you out of that to where you're the lender, not the borrower. You are the lender, not the borrower. Hallelujah. So God will bless you. You don't need to have welfare. You don't have to depend on the government to help you. You don't have to depend on that. You can literally be a blessing to others and not get entangled in the antichrist system. You know, if you've got a school, and I, pl- I plan to have that one day, you know, schools and college, I, I, I plan to have all those things attached to Miracle Word Church. But if you start accepting government grants and government scholarships and all those things, they can then come in and tell you what's necessary to have in your school. And you can't discriminate as to which professors you can hire. You've got to be able to have people of diversity and there's got to be these, you know, you look at all these, uh, um, the DEI and all these different things that they're writing up for corporations now, um, diversity, equity and inclusion or equality inclusion. You have to have people, and they start telling you, you have to have LGBTQ professors. You can't discriminate because you're getting government funding. You're depending on the government funding, you're depending on the government's resources, and as a result, you have to do what they say. Please scroll down for me to the bottom. You have to do what they say. And God said to his people that if you will obey me, I'll bless you in such a way you don't have to depend on this world system. Amen. That's number 11. Number 12, he wants to bless you abundantly. Why? So that you can fulfill your purpose, your personal purpose with more than enough. Put it down. Number 12, God will bless you abundantly so that you can fulfill your purpose, your purpose with more than enough. Yeah, there you go. Julie said the Christian college English teacher Austin had last year taught critical race theory. There you go. There you go. Number 12, God will bless you financially so that you can fulfill your purpose with more than enough, that you never lack what you need to fulfill your purpose to the full with much left over, more than enough left over. I'm going back to what Jesus said to the disciples, Luke 22. Go back with me to Luke 22. This was a test that Jesus made his disciples go through so they could see his power of provision, his power of provision. Number 12, God will bless you so that you can fulfill your personal purpose. Luke 22 and verse 35. See, previously he had said to them, go out and don't take with you extra knapsack or sandals or money bag or anything like that. Just go and preach the gospel. Luke, now they've come back. Luke 22, 35. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing, nothing. They did, let me tell you, if they had lacked even one thing, 
Doubting Thomas would have spoken up. Judas would have spoken up. Yeah, actually, Lord, there were a few nights that we had uh, to go without our dinner because we didn't have, no. They said, we lacked nothing. Notice the key, when I sent you, that's the key. It is God's purpose on your life that brings the provision of your life. Number 11 was you don't have to depend on the world's system. Number 12, to fulfill your personal purpose. When I sent you out with no extras of anything, did you lack anything? They said nothing, nothing. I want you to put it in the comments right now by faith. I will not lack anything in Jesus' name. Put it in the comments. You will fulfill your purpose to to the fullness, to abundance. Put it in the comments. I will not lack anything in Jesus' name. I will not lack anything in the name of Jesus. Number 13, what's the 13th reason God will bless you financially? So that you will properly represent God's kingdom. That's number 13. So that you will properly represent God's kingdom. People don't think this is a big deal. It's a big deal. So that you can properly represent God's kingdom. That's number 13. God wants you to not just do it in word, but in deed. Not just in word, but in deed. Can you imagine going around telling everybody how great your God is? You can't even pay your own bills. Oh, my God's so great. He's such a provider. You're going around, your kids are going hungry. My God's such a wonderful provider. He's all, he's El Shaddai. You're not representing the kingdom. You make God look like a liar. And you try to testify. Don't judge me. Don't judge me by my vehicle. My treasure is laid up in heaven. There should be some substance. Really? That, that gets people all angry. I'm going to finish up. There's only three left, and uh, I'm going to give those to you now. Number 13, to represent the kingdom properly. To represent the kingdom properly. So, isn't it interesting to you, there's people that want to go around and talk about how great God is, and he's my provider, and he's, he's, my, he, he's the all-sufficient one and all this, and they can't even pay their bills. They can't even... Uh, they, they can't even do what the Bible says to do. And people look at that and say, you keep talking about how great God is. You're in a struggle all the time. You're constantly struggling. You're always in a mess. You're always in a problem. There's always issues in your life. It's not a representation of the kingdom. God wants you to properly represent his kingdom. And I'm taking you here to James chapter two. Listen to James chapter two. I'll start with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for their body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So there's a certain level of your life where you have to have the resources in order to even produce the works, just like he's talking about here. If I've got people that are going hungry, which is what we're trying to do, feed the hungry, clothe those that that don't have clothing, take care of those that are without, okay? If we can't even do that, 
if we can't even make that happen, we can't even provide works to match our faith. Right? Now, see, the Bible has something to say on both sides of that. We're to provide. Did you know that even in taking care of widows in the early church, they had a very strict stance on taking care. There was an age limit. They had to, they had to make, make up in their mind um, that they were going to stay single for the rest of their life. Couldn't be a young woman. Couldn't be an able-bodied woman. Had to be somebody that had been living holy their whole life. There were lots of stipulations. Bill Murray's back, everybody. Welcome to Bill Murray. Enjoy his acting. Really, really great actor. I'm, we're honored that he would be on the broadcast. Bill Murray, everybody. Caddyshack. What about Bob? The man who knew too little. Great job, Bill, in your acting career. Now you need to get saved. Get saved. Give your life to Christ. But if you don't have the works that match your faith, if you don't have the works that match your faith, then what good's the faith? That's what, that's what uh, James is saying here in his letter. Scroll that down for me. James is saying that in his letter, that if you don't have the works to match your faith, it's a poor representation of the kingdom of God. Your faith is dead. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And that's what the Bible teaches. So if you don't have the ability to represent the kingdom, it's not right. You've got to have, and so that's one of the reasons God wants to bless you, so that you can properly represent the kingdom of God so that you can show God's nature and his character to others. If I can't show, so what is God's nature and character that I can share? It's more than just love. Love is an action. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love is shown by an action. Faith is shown by an action. Faith without works, dead. God so loved the world, he gave. You see that. Number 14, I'll give you these last two. Number 14, God wants to bless you so that you can answer problems stress-free. God wants to bless you so that you can answer every problem that, that tries to come at you without any stress. Let me tell you, if you're always dealing with things that come at you, financial things, things that'll cost money, problem after problem, it causes people stress. Couples fight about it. Couples get divorced over that kind of stuff. Financial issues in the marriage. Uh, you know, it's just one thing after another. Screaming about what card to use and what credit card and that one's zeroed out and we're trying to get this one paid down and why did you use that card? And I, We had an emergency and you know, people get mad. They get mad. But can I tell you something? The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, this is number 14 by the way, Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 19 that money answers all things. James 2, 16. James 2, 14 through 16, Cynthia. That was the last one. But in Ecclesiastes 10, listen to this. And verse 16. Or excuse me, verse 19. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. When you have the blessing of God in your life, there's nothing that, be, that can be thrown at you that you don't have the answer for. You, you, oh, then you're all stressed out and ready to quit and you've lost the victory. Drove through a construction site. Now both of my back tires are popped. I got two flat tires in the back. You know how much that's going to cost to put new tires? In? Yeah, I do. 
I'll take the excess that God's blessed me with and buy two new tires and not think twice about it. God wants to bless you so that everything that comes against you, that's an, something that looks like a, a, an obstacle, a hindrance. You can answer it without stress. You can answer it without stress. Amen. Amen. Do you know, um, it's interesting what my father went to do the outdoor crusade the last time in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, when they found out we were a Christian organization doing all that, they bumped the price up way up tens of thousands of dollars just to be on the lot in Atlanta holding that meeting. Oh yeah. When they found out, so what are we going to say? Uh, you know, sorry, we thought we were going to do it here, but it's just too expensive. No, God spoke to my father to go to Atlanta, have those 2000, you know, whatever souls saved all of that. God spoke to him to do it. They bumped it up to tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. We were going to say, sorry, we can't do it. No cash or check, pay it off. Answered the problem. Money answers all things. Zach's right. He said, money, you, money can't buy happiness, but it's tough to be happy when you can't pay the rent. Exactly right. Exactly right. Money can't buy happiness, but it's tough to be happy when you can't pay the rent. Yeah, it's tough for your kids to be happy. Buck up, put a smile on your face. I haven't eaten in three days. Yeah. And so you understand that it gives you the ability to answer every single obstacle that comes against you. Gives you the ability to answer everything. Actually, flip back to um, Ecclesiastes 7. Listen to verse 12. This is Ecclesiastes 7:12. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. Look at that. The protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. So there's a protection to the blessing of God. When God blesses you financially, there's a protection to that. You can't, every time something comes against your life, you know, we started going doing what, uh, what we were called to do at the church. Every time something came at us, another thing, another thing, we're just starting out. We're not even four months old yet. Boom, 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 boom. And get, get the building going, all that. And then they come and say, well, you know, on top of all this, all these other costs, it's going to cost this much. And then we're going to need you to wire over aside from all your payments and all that. We need you to wire over $50,000. All right, $50,000. I'm not worried about it. And then somebody instantly, hey, felt like you'd need this very quickly. Here's $50,000. I mean, one thing after another that every time something comes up, we, what about this? There's an answer. Then we, here comes the architect. We need this much, about 40 some thousand dollars. Boom. There it is. Money's there. Here's the, here's the cash. Money answers all things. So you're sitting, sitting up in a room, freaking out and depressed and went, wanting to quit life because you have things coming at you. There's an answer for that. Money answers all things. Money answers all things. Bible says so. The protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. So there's a protection to it. There's a blessing to it. That's the 14th reason why God wants to bless you financially, to answer problems stress-free. You think God wants you to live your life in total stress all the time, worry all the time, wonder all the time? No, the exact opposite. Peace and joy, peace and joy and provision from God. It's his nature. It's his nature. Number 15, let me give you the last one before we uh, go any further. Number 15, 
God will bless you financially specifically for the purpose of guarding his system of seed time and harvest. Get that in your spirit, solidify it in your heart. Galatians chapter six, go back there with me. Galatians chapter six, number 15, God will bless you financially specifically to guard his system of seed time and harvest, to guard it, to guard it. What do you mean by that? God refuses to allow his system to be mocked. And the Bible says it. Galatians 6 and verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Amen. God has to guard his, it's his system. And so he has to bless you just to guard it. If he doesn't bless you when you're engaged in that system of seed time and harvest, then he's a liar. And he will never be made out to be a liar. And his word says here, God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Not only that, the Bible says another reason God has to bless you in regard to this system is because he gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater, and he's the one that provides the harvest for everyone who gives, he has to bless you just to guard his system of seed time and harvest. He has to keep putting seed in your hand. He has to keep putting bread in your mouth. And he has to keep bringing harvests to the, one who, to the ones who have sown into his kingdom. The moment that the apostle Paul taught in Galatians six, that financial giving is seed sowing. Then you understand that's, that's the Lord speaking of how he views what you give, what you sow. It's a seed and a seed produces a harvest all the time, all the time. And God will bless you specifically to guard or to curate his system of seed time and harvest. Amen. It is his system. And because these were um, broken up by that power outage, that, you know, inconspicuous, coincidental power outage. Never been cut off by a power outage in five years of broadcasting daily. And somehow, during this broadcast of why God wants you to be blessed financially, the power cuts the broadcast out. We're going to splice them together and put it back onto YouTube in one full-length video uh, so that you have it all in one place. It'll be on the podcast in one episode so that you'll have it. Hallelujah. But God wants you to be blessed. The devil wants to fight against a weakened and impoverished church. But I want you to say this with me in the comments. I will not lack any good thing. Put that as a statement of faith in the comments today. I will not lack any good thing in Jesus' name. And no, you won't. I will not lack any good thing in Jesus' name. And I know you believe this message. But I'm going to tell you something. God's getting ready to take us to a higher place of financial blessing that we've never been to before. A place we've never been. This is our year of transformation. That all we'll be able to say, it's the Lord's doing and marvelous in our eyes. And so I'm going to, I feel to do this today. And I don't often do this in this way. I'm going to challenge you today 
Because I feel the anointing on this broadcast and I feel the anointing on this teaching because God is not leaving his people at the same level. He's taking his people higher. And so I feel in my spirit, I'm going to challenge you today to sow an offering of faith on this Wednesday. I don't often do it like this, but today I feel the anointing to do it because I'm telling you this came, I was getting ready this morning. I didn't have any of these things. I didn't have any of these things written down. This is not some message from years ago that I pulled out of my notes. This is all today. The Holy Spirit said, get in there and speak to them regarding this specific subject. And he started hitting me with all these different things. And literally as I'm pulling up to the office, he's still giving me verses of scripture that are just popping up in my spirit. And I'm trying to frantically put them in my phone before I get into the door. Because the Holy Spirit has us on something today because he's doing something in our lives, in our families, in our businesses, and in our ministries that's going to surpass anything he's ever done in us. The last five months of this year are going to be supernatural. You're going to get clients like you've never gotten clients. You're going to sign contracts like you've never signed contracts. You're going to see bonuses and raises like you've never seen. Increases coming to the faithful from every direction in Jesus' mighty name. And so today, I'm going to do something that I feel to do. I'm challenging you to step out of your comfort zone and to sow a seed of faith and watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. Take that step. Of course, all the information is on the screen. If you're listening to me on the podcast, scroll up into the description. You'll see a link where you can click to uh, miracleword.com to sow a seed. But listen to what I'm saying today. What I'm believing is that by the time we hit the end of this year, we will turn around and recap and look at it with no words to speak except thank you, Jesus. No words. Some of us, all we'll be able to do is laugh. Some people will cry when they look back and see how much God's done. 12 months goes by so quickly, blows my mind. We're in August. We're in the second day of August, the eighth month. The eighth month of this year. Hallelujah. The eighth month of the year. Already. Feels like we just crossed over into 2023. But God's doing something. And we're going to be abundantly blessed. There's no expiration date on your blessing. I don't have to get up here and say, now there's a, there's a special anointing in August to reap. There's not a special anointing in August to reap. There's a special anointing on the people of God to reap at all times. That's what the Bible says. And there's an instruction from the Holy Ghost that will take you into another dimension. That's where we're headed. We're going to walk in the more than enough like we've never seen. Julie, I'm praying that God will quickly do what you're praying that he will do and open those doors and answer your prayers. Let me pray for those of you that are watching and listening. I know there's many people believing for this kind of next level miracle. We're believing with you. Father, I pray for every person that set their faith with mine to declare this will be the best five months of a year we've ever had in the history of our lives. I pray in Jesus' name that your hand of favor and blessing would so quickly come upon the righteous that they would be blown away at your goodness that they would laugh, that they would sing, that they would cry, that they would dance and run even around their own homes when they see what you're about to do. Now, Lord, today we answer the call. We answer the call and we sow seed by faith today. We step out of our comfort zone and we do something by faith that will provoke your hand of blessing. 
And I thank you, Lord, that as you bless us, we will see the increase on another level that we've never been to before. We've not been here before. We've never been here before. It's a new place. Take us up in these last five months. Take us up in these last five months. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for it. We give you praise. Lord, for those that are still struggling with debt and they're still struggling, whether it's medical bills, whether it's credit card debt, whether that's student loans, I don't care what it is. Let debts quickly be canceled by the power of your spirit. Let debts quickly be canceled as your people are faithful. Do something supernatural. Even let their debt be eradicated. Let them be, let them receive calls from the hospital or from the the department that, uh, that collects student loans or they pay student loans to and say, you know, your debts are forgiven or your debt, someone's paid your debts. Somebody's paid your, your bill. Let it, let it happen in a way that's a testimony to your goodness and to your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.